blame oh him for that. I was you the, the one blaming him with that. Austin Matthews, very good two-way forward. Nobody's saying Carson Wentz is the go. Oh, your team sucked, Barker. Pick one. And before Miami fan over here starts talking. Blasphemous. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. What does that tell you? He's terrible. I'm not out here saying Tom Brady's bad. Yeah, you are. Listen, Gary. <laughs> I'm saying pick it. What's going on, everyone? This is Daft Picks, episode 31. Today, I'm joined, as always, by Parker. Hello. Our producer and chief. And um, no guest today, so uh, I guess you could say we're sort of doing what every other league is doing and not having people attend because of the coronavirus. I wouldn't say that. I mean, there's not really that many cases, if any at all, in Luzerne County yet. Fair. So, aside from that joke, the uh, NHL has a media... I won't call it a blackout, but they're not allowing media in the locker rooms because of the virus, because they're afraid of, like, I, I guess infection? I don't know. From who? They're afraid of the <laughs> reporters getting infected, or are they afraid of the players getting infected from the yes. reporters? I don't know. But It seems kind of dumb at this point. But the reporters are, I assume, like, the beat writers, they usually stay what teams are covering. They usually stay in those cities, and but the players are always moving around. I mean, yeah, I saw this was a thing with the MLB, too. The MLB is doing the same thing. Yeah. I know, um... And I saw a thing with the NBA where they were like, don't expect people to go to the games. Yeah. Something like that. We'll see. I mean, I mean, there's places where it's obviously important to do that. Like, Italy, they're playing games behind closed doors with no fans at soccer games because of this, which there it makes sense because they actually have a problem over there right now. Uh, I don't really understand it here, but, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Moving right along from a less odd topic... You wanted to talk about the NFL CBA today before we get into hockey. Yeah, so the current CBA agreement that they're working on includes the owners want to have a 17-game NFL regular season, so that way they could bring in more revenue. However, there was a report that just came out yesterday from ESPN by Jeremy Fowler where some owners want the CBA proposal to not pass through the players' vote. So that way they can negotiate a quote-unquote better deal next year. And this better deal includes an 18-game NFL regular season so that they could bring in more revenue because they thought they gave up too much on the economic side. Now, a lot of players like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, J.J. Watt have all come out and said, this is bad. <laughs> so the players don't like it. The owners want it because it will make them more money. So it's just, in my opinion, I think it's just another example of owners and players just being on completely different wavelengths. It doesn't make much sense logistically, if I'm being honest, because if you're going to do that, you might as well just do away with the preseason or cut it to like a one-off game because the NFL is already one of the most physical sports. And then, I mean, like you brought up three guys who are injury, not injury prone, but they're often injured, like Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson to a well, lesser extent. Russell Wilson hasn't gotten he, yeah. injured ever, I don't think. But I know he's talking about being banged up, which uh, that's anybody. Though. I think he represents the... Uh, yeah, kinda. he yeah he kind of reminds you of Rand Tannehill a little bit. When he used to be the starter for the Dolphins, he started like four straight seasons and this was behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league and he he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL and one time he was he had like a lacerated kidney and stuff like that yeah he, I mean even guys like that who don't miss a game you're talking about them maybe missing games because of injury now because you're increasing I mean in three seasons you're talking about an, an extra third of football season and Matt Stafford never missed a game until he blew up his back so like I don't know if it's necessary to add more games. I was okay with the extra game because there was talk that they would cut the preseason to three games, which that would make sense. Gives them like a little bit of a, like a warm-up, and then you have that extra game at the end. It's no more games. I mean, of course, there's going to be more games for starters, but most guys aren't going to see a big change. 
two extra games on top of a preseason, you're talking about 22 games, not to mention if you play in the playoffs, you're talking about just under 30 games of football. That's very taxing on your body. And you're talking about that for two seasons. Back to back, you're talking about 60 games. That's an increase in probably 15 games with playoffs, which that adds up. Yeah, the players are super against it, and a lot of people don't even think that this kind of thing is reasonable, and some people think that if the owners try pushing for 18 games, that will take the players off the negotiating table completely, and they'll just be not interested in renegotiating a new CBA. I mean, would you be? No. The NFL is always talking about player safety, you know, having a person come in for, like, looking at concussions and stuff like that, but saying that you want to make the game safer for your players, but then adding two extra games just because you want to make more money doesn't make sense to me also when are we putting these two games in because that's two extra weeks which that's half of a month yeah those will go into january would they because i mean if i'm talking about this from an owner's perspective i would want this at the start of the season right get out of the way not that it really matters it's all gonna add up the same as it is but i don't think you can push the super bowl the super bowl is like pretty much always the first or at latest second week of february I don't think you push the Super Bowl. I think you tack on those games. And like I said, if you cut back preseason, but if they don't, then you're going to have to push OTAs back. You're going to have to push PTAs back. You're talking about starting the NFL season in June for like guys to get ready, get back into training, which you're talking about a four-month recovery time for athletes. You're going to see a lot more injuries because the effects of that are pretty simple. Less time to recover, more time playing, more injuries. I don't think it's a hard connection to make. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to lift my embargo on the show on the XFL for one day only. That's today. If you see this happen, and like you talked about, you would see the players potentially walk away from the table. You might see some flee to the XFL. That would be the one way I could see the XFL starting to dig into the NFL's territory, is if players start leaving to go to a different league, which could happen if they don't get a CBA agreed on. No football. What are you going to do? You're going to go make your livelihood somewhere else, right? Right. Yeah, some of the other ideas proposed in the CBA include increasing the game day roster from 46 to 48 players, expanding the practice squad to 14 players, and not having a proposed cap for highest paid players. So essentially a quarterback salary cap. I mean, they don't, they already basically don't have a cap, if we're being honest. Like, that doesn't make much of a difference to me. The extra two players, that might help out in the long run, but in the short term, if you're a team that's, that's banged up, and you're also not a good team, do those two players even matter? Like, if you're a team like, who is the worst team this year? Bengals. If you're the Bengals, do you really need two extra guys playing who probably aren't very good? Are they going to make a difference to you winning or to you succeeding at all? No, but I think it can make a difference for playoff teams or teams that get destroyed by injuries like the Chargers, for instance. Maybe injury-wise, but I don't know about playoff teams because if we're talking about adding two players, those are two players you weren't going to have already. And even if you talk about it from the different end where it's two lesser players and then moving two other players that were higher in the depth chart up into starting roles those players were still not good enough to make your team as it was. I don't know that those depth guys, aside from giving them a better chance of making an NFL team, has much of an effect. Well, coaches and front office executives don't always make the right decisions when it comes to yeah, that's fair. Uh, keeping players. Sometimes they cut the wrong players. We saw that with the one running back with the 49ers. Oh. He, got, he got cut by like four or five different teams, stuck with the 49ers and you know, well, almost I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, yeah I can't it, remember his name either. Is but it Tassart? Yeah, Raheem Mustard. Mustard, yep. But changing lanes here, the NHL, going back to that a little bit, we're almost in playoffs, about, what, 15 games left, roughly? Actually, less, like 10 games. Tomorrow starts fancy hockey playoffs for our league. I wouldn't know about that because I never make it. Yeah, you 
I wish you held on to your players. That I'm gonna good. I'm gonna get on a rant later about fantasy baseball. But yeah, so we are almost at playoffs. Playoff hockey is starting. Did you see the brawl last night in the Bruins game? No. I'm pretty level-headed when it comes to announcers. I know that there's going to be homers in the game. Jack Edwards needs to not be an announcer anymore for the Bruins. He's He literally... Patrick Maroon takes out Zdeno Chara, right? And he goes, Zdeno Chara saying to Patrick Maroon, do you want to see the afterlife? Because I'll take you there as Chara is laying on the ground. Like... He's such a, a horrible homer. Like, he's not even a good one. Like, there are good homers. He's not one of them. Wait, said so that when he was passed out? Chara literally was down on the ground after getting knocked over by Maroon. And he's like, Chara's going to take him to the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, well, he needs to get up first. <laughs> like, that was the most combined penalty minutes in a Lightning Bruins game ever. So who who was in the fight? So what happened after that? Everybody. It was, there was two line brawls. You're a Lightning fan. How did you not see this? I didn't watch the game. I didn't either. I saw the highlights. It was like... The Lightning did get like... In the offseason and at the trade deadline, they got three bruisers in Pat Maroon, Blake Coleman... Goudreau. And yeah, Goudreau. So... I saw Hedman left the game injured. That was a negative. Oh yeah. Go figure. Another Lightning player on my fantasy team is injured. Oh, who could imagine? First Stamkos, now Hedman. Come on. Come on. So... Obviously, with the playoffs coming up, that means only one thing. The NHL Draft Lottery, which is really the talk of this week. There are several things. I'm going to let you pick what you want to talk about first. Do you want to talk about the NHL Draft Lottery featuring Will Ferrell? Or do you want to talk about the Ottawa Senators' four picks? Oh, I guess let's start with Will Ferrell. So the LA Kings are in talks to send Will Ferrell to the Draft Lottery to represent them. You know how they always have a GM or somebody there, like a coach or something, to represent them? Yeah. Will Ferrell might be the Kings guy. But why? Because that's how funny their season's been. To be fair, I'm on board with it. I love Will Ferrell. I will never forget when Drew Doughty said, a team like that. Oh my god. (laughs) Poor poor Drew Doughty. But you signed there, so it's your own fault. You shouldn't be losing to a team like that. It's like... You are the team like that. Uh, Yeah, sorry, buddy. So... The Ottawa Senators have potentially went from the worst team in the NHL and the worst run team to the best. No, no, not the best. Let me just make my case. The best of the rebuilders. Okay, yeah. Because because it's not fair to call them. Like, they're not anywhere close. It's still a Eugene Melnick production. But they have a chance at the first overall pick, the second overall pick, and the fourth overall pick because of lottery protection from the Islanders. If the Islanders miss the playoffs, that pick could become a fourth overall pick. It's just top three protected. They could end up with Lafreniere, Quentin Byfield, and... Holtz? Maybe Holtz, yeah. Holtz or Raymond, we'll say. Because that's incredible. Yeah, that'll definitely change their fortunes in a hurry. Now, before we get into the draft, though, we have to talk about the Senators. Did you see what happened this week in Senator Land? Oh, they fired the... Oh, the... Team president, I think is his position. Or CEO. Yeah, they fired some guy... For, I forget what, but it was, I think, oh, a very I'll tell dumb you decision. What. Eugene Valdek fired Jim Lights because Jim Lights allegedly had had some sort of, we'll talk, well, I'll just say affair because I don't know if it was anything like that with Melnick's wife. I don't know what the details were, but it was an affair of some sorts. So I didn't read too much into it, but I see you're looking it up now. And I'm curious what the details are because it was pretty scarce yesterday when the whole thing leaked. And I love that Gary Bettman had to come out and be like, listen, it's not what you think. The Ottawa Signers dismissed CEO Jim Little 
After Jim Little. Be- after becoming aware of abuse allegations his former wife, Lara Smith, made towards him, the club said, according to National Post's Adam Humphreys. Ottawa fired Little less than two months into his tenure. Wednesday, the former executive said he was fired for using strong language during a heated phone argument with team owner Eugene Melnick on February 14th. Following the dispute, the signers conducted an investigation of Little's behavior, during which they found Smith had published online accounts of his abuse during their marriage. Oh, so it was like a domestic dispute. Mm. Okay, I had heard it was an affair. That changes a lot of things. That is not very good. And considering Gary Bettman came out and said, listen, it's not what you think, I don't know that that's a very fair statement either, because that's pretty bad. A domestic abuse thing, you don't want to see that. And especially since the NHL kind of covered this up. Like, there, like I said, there was an article swirling that it was an, an affair with the owner's wife. I don't know that this is a good press for the Ottawa Senators. Let me first I know that it is not good press for the Ottawa Senators. It's obviously a very bad situation. Yeah, that's not good. I rescind what I said about thinking bad decision because I remember reading something that this was before that came out where it's like, it just came out of nowhere that, oh, this guy got fired by Melnick because of an argument they had. And I'm like... Right, and I when I first heard that. that, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Right, because when I heard that, I heard that it was an argument with him, and then like it had something to do with his wife. And that's why I, I didn't know if it was an affair or what it was, but that's what the article alluded to. Knowing that it's domestic-related, that's not Yeah, I was, was going to say, that wouldn't have been the first time Melnick made a questionable decision, right. but I, think, I don't think this was a bad decision. No, this was good then. So maybe the Ottawa Senators are turning a corner, because that's something that the old Ottawa Senators probably would not have done. Moving on to a brighter topic. Roberto Luongo, guys, jersey retired. He did. The um, Florida Panthers' first jersey retirement, which I'm surprised it was him and not Ed Jovanowski, but I digress. Did you watch the ceremony? I did not. I did not either, but I heard it was pretty good. Strombone did it again. Good for him. He deserves it. Yeah, great goalie. Will he have his jersey retired by the Canucks now, too? I don't see why not. He dragged them to a Stanley Cup final. We'll see. I'd like to see that because even though he was more of a Florida goalie than anything... I think he could go down in Canucks Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's always tricky when you have a player that's more or less had like their time split evenly between two teams. Because he was with the Canucks for the first half of his career, then the Panthers for the second half. No, no, don't forget he started with the Panthers. Oh, yeah, he did. Because the Islanders traded him. Oh, because... yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So we're going to get into the drafts, as we talked about, since that's kind of our specialty. And there's not much else going on this time of year aside from the gear up to playoffs. We talked about who we thought would be our potential top three, aside from our boy Alexis Lafreniere, who is tearing it up right now, by the way. So, do you have your top three ready? Yep. Go for it. Uh, Hit me with your first one. Quinton Byfield. Okay, why? Because he's good, and that's the other name we hear. No, 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 no. He's actually a really good playmaker, and he's a good shooter. So I I think he's going to be a really good player because it's not often that you have both. Right. Like one player, think of like that Steven Stamkos. Steven Stamkos started off as a sniper. Now he's a bit of a playmaker. But he also is the only other player in the league besides Alexander Ovechkin who during the power play just sits at the left circle and is just like, give me the puck. He's a very large man and he is not afraid to use it. Yeah, he's uh, Byfield six foot four and he's also... He's very quick. Yeah. So he's a very good all-around player. I, yeah, I like Byfield. For myself, I think that the number two overall pick is a lock, and it's Tim Stutzel. Mm, interesting. He, he impressed at the uh, Helenka tournament at the IHF. I think he's the consensus right now. I mean, he has everything you'd want out of a... F- I'd, I'll say it. I'll say franchise center, because he reminds me a lot of Jack Eichel. He's rangy. He's not the tallest guy, but he's not small. He's got good upper body strength. He can rip the puck. He's got great playmaking ability, and I think, although he's not the fastest player, he's not... He's not slow. He's very agile. And if you watch Germany at all, 
you'd see why this guy can absolutely tear it up in the NHL as soon as this year. I think he might be, if he's not a first year in NHL, or he'll be a second year. His star has been rising, like, really quickly. And, you know, I like it. I believe he's German. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. Right? Yeah. And I want to see a German player in the NHL. That's There good. already is one. I'm going to Dreisaitl. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you remember the, the last second overall pick? That, I think he was second overall. It was Dreisaitl. Something like that, yeah. You remember the last top five pick that was the German player? He's currently leading the NHL in points. And I was big on Dreisaitl, too. And I remember back in the day... When I'm trying he, to think. The only other German player I could think of is the one guy that the Penguins used to have. Kunakel? We also, we also had Gotch. He was German. Oh, yeah. Sure. I forgot about him. There's, there's a couple German players. Christian Erhoff. That's the one I remember. Back in the day when Dreisaitl was like a prospect, I remember he wasn't as highly touted. He was sort of behind in the draft. And, man, like, he has... I, I was big on drafts. And, like, I'm glad he's done well. But yeah, so who's your next pick? I'm going a little bit further down the draft board here. For the but third overall pick? Oh, we're doing the top three? Oh, I thought we were doing our three favorites. Oh, are we? All right, fine. Yeah, it's All right. the same thing. Uh, so I really like Hendrix Lapierre. I I don't know. I feel like he has a super high ceiling. He's a really good playmaker. He's a smart player, but he's a little bit small. I mean, he, he needs to put on a little bit more weight. He's 179 pounds and five foot eleven. And he's also currently out with an upper body injury. But I think this guy has the tools to be really good. I think with raw skill and talent, he's up there, like, top five with terms of talent. He's got the boomer bust potential. Yeah, he has maybe the highest ceiling or the second highest ceiling, but he could also have a really low floor. We will see. I really like him. I also really like his name. So <laughs> I like LaPierre. I don't know that he's really my guy. I think he's a great flyer to take at the end of the first round. Well, my next favorite pick, again, I'm skipping over some great players like Raymond Holt, Byfield, because we know where they're going to end up. I really like Jake Sanderson. He's a USA product. I'm pretty sure he's the captain of his team at the U18 level. I really think he's going to be a top-notch player. And although he doesn't strike me as a... Eric Carlson type. I think if you look at Aaron Ekblad or Keith Yandel, that's what this guy projects to be. And I mean, if you if you get the chance to take Keith Yandel or Aaron Ekblad at number 10, are you going to do it? Obviously. All right. So I was going to say one player, but then I thought someone else. So. If you take my player, I'm going to be really angry. Dylan Holloway. Okay. That was not my player. Okay. I have a feeling I know who your player is, but he's forward for Wisconsin. I really like players from Wisconsin. I don't know why. I feel like they put out decent American players. Yeah. S safe players, I uh, should Phil say. Gustle. Yeah. He is a center. Good okay. good hands, good shot. He's pretty much a good, again, all-around player. I think he's going to go in the middle of the first round, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I haven't heard him talked about a ton, which we're going to get to a couple boomer bust picks yeah, but he's, after this. He's but. six foot, 200 pounds. I'll be honest with you, I don't really know much about him, but um, I'm interested to find out. Uh, guys like that always seem to rise towards the draft. I remember that was how it was with Sonny Milano. USA guys just always seem to have their stock rise at the end of the college yeah, he's, season. He's also a freshman right now, and he looks pretty good. So he'll only just get better from here. Yeah, I mean, he probably won't be ready yet to go to the NHL, but, you know, maybe like Casey Middlestat, give him a couple of years. My last, like, surefire pick is Yaroslav Askarov. Yep, that was who I was going to say, I've and been I high on last second. I've been high on him for about a year and a half now since I heard about him. Tearing up Russia, looking like the realest of deals. You don't typically see goalies picked in the top 10. I think he's a, there's a chance he goes top 10. And I think it depends on the team, but I look at who the draft could possibly end up with. Between the Predators and, honestly, maybe the Senators. I could see other team taking a flyer, but it would really it really depend. 
Wait, don't the Sounders have that one Swedish guy? They have Gustafsson, but I don't know that he's their long-term plan. If he is good, but I don't know that he... He's not a show-stopping goalie. He's a good goalie. He's going to be more of a Frederick Anderson or a Devin Dubnik than he is going to be like a Lundqvist or Price. Now, uh, we have to round it out with two dart picks. And uh, you know me better than anybody. I love my potential. So is there anybody, uh, two players in this draft that you think are going to be a steal maybe farther down the draft list outside the top 40? Uh, it could also be projected. I do like Shakir Mohakamadalian. I'm not going to lie to you, I love his name. But uh, he's, he's a pretty good puck mover on defense. He is a KHL defenseman, so you have to be wary of that. You know he's not going to come over immediately. I like what I see, though. And I mean, if you saw that name flying down the ice, would you not be excited? You're not wrong. I'll let you continue doing some research while I toss out my, my last pick. This isn't really that off the board, quite honestly. But it's far enough off the board where I think it'll be okay. I like Antonio Strange. Strange's? Strange's? I don't know. I don't know. I'll be honest with you, I don't know how to say his name either. He's a good, like, kind of tall-ish power forward. Could really add some depth. I don't really think of him as a boomer bust pick. Rather a, like, kind of like a Tom Wilson-esque player. I don't know if he's a goon. I, don't, I haven't really watched much of him. But I see him being a very physical player. I could be completely wrong. But I haven't seen a lot of him. But I think he could be an interesting player to take a flyer on. Alright, so one guy I found who doesn't look like he's going to go in the first round. His name's Jake Neighbors. Okay, the I've heard Edmonton of him, yeah. Oil Kings. He has like 70 something points in like 55 games or something like that. And I'm like, ooh, that's pretty good. It's the WHL. Okay, what does that mean? The WHL is notoriously terrible goaltending. Okay, and what about the OHL and oh, the QMJ? Oh, the QMJHL is notoriously high scoring. OHL is the most well rounded, but you'll have very good teams and very bad teams. That's how it typically goes. That's how it's been. I also really like his name, Jake Neighbors. Are we just picking our best names? Because I feel like that's what we're doing. Because I don't know anything about the two prospects I named at the end there either. So I feel you. Also, there's some great State Farm references that we can put in there. I'm excited. All right, and the other name is, this is like really Canadian French, Jeremy Poirier. Okay, so Jeremy Poirier from the St. John Sea Dogs. Yep. He is... He is he I, has 53 points in 64 games in the QMJHL, and he's a defenseman. I remember two years ago, his stock was at an all-time high. He was going to be the number one overall pick, guaranteed. He has not fallen, but his defense is still a very... How do I put this delicately? He's not good at defending, and he's a defenseman. So what you're telling me is this guy is a fourth forward. Literally. <laughs> He'll just jump up in the play. And St. John's is a great program. And if you have time, about two months ago, Elliot Friedman did a podcast with him from St. John's. And they talked to him and talked to the team president about poor years development. Very smart kid. Good player. Going to be great in the NHL, personally. But like any defenseman like his caliber, he doesn't do everything well. He does one thing well, and that's offense. He's not going to shut down teams like... We talked about Jake Sanderson. He's got that well-rounded game. Poirier, you're betting on his offense, which doesn't always work out. So that's why he's projected to fall to the second round. But I think he's going to be a strong second-round pick. Another player I just discovered, Carter, Sav Carter Savoy, Savoy. Or Savoy. Yeah. He plays for the AJHL? I've never heard of that. But the, he, has, um, he has 99 points in 54 games. I believe that's the American Junior Hockey League. Okay. Never heard of that. Uh, you'll know this because Tyson Jost played there. Adam would know that. Yeah. <laughs> and I guarantee you the Avalanche take him because they seem to love drafting players from the worst like random leagues ever. 
Yeah, but I think that's knowable because that number just stuck out to me. And even though that might not be a good league, those are still numbers that you necessarily hey, it's not can't. A terrible it, league. That's, that's numbers. Oh, that Alberta I, Junior Hockey League. Sorry. Like ninety nine points, fifty four games. That's a number I can't ignore. Like just take a flyer on him, see what happens, see if he could replicate that at some point in like the AHL or something. No, I mean I think he's got potential. Don't look at those AHL numbers and think, well, he's a good player, but it's a nothing league. A lot of those guys in Alberta, you're talking about a province that really is its own thing. Like, Alberta's its own thing. So, to them, that's just as good as the WHL. I mean, there are some great players that have come from there. So, he could be a really good boomer bust pick, but you want to talk about why he's not higher. He didn't play in a major league. We see that happen a lot, like in the NFL. We've seen players from programs that aren't necessarily from, like, the Big Ten or the SEC and someone takes a flyer on them in the second, third round, and they end up being really good. Like, for example, like Josh Allen from Wyoming, quarterback for the Bills, he got drafted seventh. But before that, he was, like, projecting, like, the third, second round because, like, small program, the only thing this guy has is an arm. So we've seen stuff like that happen in the NFL, and we've also seen that happen quite a bit in the NHL, too. Interesting. We'll say for sure. I was going to say, I don't know how you feel about this draft. I'm not the biggest fan. I heard someone say that it was a very strong first-round draft. Yes. But that's it. That I it don't really falls think off. you're going to see a bad first-round pick. I don't think you'll see a bad pick in the top 45. Outside of that, it's a really poor draft. And I, I notoriously have the same line every year. This is a great draft. Or I'll do my other line. This is a hard-working guy's draft. Which, 2016, hard-working guy's draft. 2018, it's a good draft. I don't think that this year falls into either category. I don't see a lot of Austin Matthews. I don't see a lot of Patrick Lainez. I don't see a lot of even Nico Heischers, which aside from the top 10, that's okay. But I think that gets balanced out by the fact that the top players in this draft are better than the top players of, say, the who was in the 2016 draft? Matthews, Line, and... Okay, I wouldn't... Pedersen? I would say that the top 10 level talent in this draft is about equal to that if not like a little bit yeah i feel like the top five specifically yeah this draft like this is definitely better than say like last year's draft or in terms of top five last year's draft than the one with heesher by far the heesher draft is really bad those weren't bad players but they were not they weren't accurately so they weren't bad players they're good players they were nhl caliber players but they weren't like you weren't getting a Connor McDavid and Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, or like an Austin Matthews, or Jack Eichel, or anything like that. Getting a you, player, you were getting like a Phil Kessel, if that, or like a Jason Zucker. Yeah, because like, and this is no disrespect. Like Nolan Patrick has been horribly mismanaged by the Flyers, but even at the top of his game, he was never going to be this elite franchise-changing center. He was always going to be a number two. Which this and year, and in Philly, he's not even a number three. Honestly, I see that being a lot the same this year outside the top five, and that's okay. We'll see. Very interesting. Before we sort of get ready to wrap, was there any other things you wanted to talk about? Because I know I wanted to steer the show towards something we don't typically talk about. Who thinks we get the first overall pick? In the NHL draft? Yep. God, I, I hope for the sake of chaos, it's Ottawa Senators. And I hope they get the top four. Like one, two, and four. I really hope so. I mean, they do have a solid chance. <laughs> they really Because all those really picks do. are from bad teams. I well, would, not the Islanders one, but you know what I mean. They might... You know how they went 16-2-1? Yeah. Do you know what their win percentage is since then? They went like 2-16-1? No, they since the start of the season, they're 50% win percentage. They have a worse win percentage than the Devils. Uh-oh. Yes. 
that pick is lottery protected, not by much though. We shall see. Oh, we were going to talk fantasy baseball, actually. Okay, uh, before we get into that, I always get confused when I hear this because I always hear this in basketball. What does lottery protected mean? So it can mean a lot of things. In the case of this specific pick, I think it was like if the pick would have fallen, the Islanders missed the playoffs and the pick became a top three, the pick would slide to next year. They lottery protected it so that they wouldn't lose out on a lottery pick. However, I believe it cuts off a top four. So if the Islanders miss the playoffs and it's a top four pick, it goes to the centers this year. That's called lottery protection, just like the Leafs protected their pick so that if it was a top 15 pick this year or whatever, if they missed the playoffs, the Carolina Hurricanes wouldn't get a freebie for buying out Patrick Marlowe. That's what a lottery protection pick is. Okay. Uh, we talked about the draft a lot. I figured we, were like, we should cover that at some point. So fantasy baseball, I'm going to go on a rant again. Not quite as loud as the last show. Every year in fantasy baseball, I get screwed. Well, maybe you shouldn't trade away all your good players. No, no, no. My picks this year were great. I have Bryce Harper, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Luis Severino, Lucas Giolito. All bona fide top 100 players, if not top 75. And two of them are top 20. My best pitcher, Luis Severino's out for the season. <laughs> Aaron Judge, out until July. <laughs> Do you know, and Giolito's recovering from a season-ending surgery. Do you know how mad I am right now? I can't do anything about that. I can't go back and change them. I'm just stuck. Two of my best players gone for half the season, if not more. Yeah, I was actually looking at my keepers the other day, and I'm like, man, I should have kept Moustakas over Elvis Andrus. That's something our friend Walter would do, because he's done that before. He's kept Mike Moustakas over Well, the only reason I would have kept him is because he had, like, 35 home runs. And it's like, one thing that my team has never had is a guy who could hit home runs. Hit home runs. Like, my team will have a batting average of, like, 358. Maybe if you didn't own Kevin Kiermaier every season. Hold on. So my team will always have like a three, well, a high 300 like batting average, but I'll have like 10 home runs. So it's like my I would always sacrifice home runs for those gang guys that will be able to hit the ball. Kevin Kiermaier hit the ball and he, and he can run really fast and he's good at defense. So he gets a lot of stats that are not just home runs or hits. Man, it's a, it's a shame that we don't really count defensive stats. Unfortunate. We should probably get into doing that. Anyway. What, we're doing holds this year now? What is that? What does that even mean? This is not a fantasy baseball show. <laughs> Before we close, I know the answer, but I have to ask this. Did you watch the Israel adesanya Yoel Romero fight? Who? Okay, last night was... Uh, I know you're not a big UFC guy, but UFC 248 was last night. And you missed two of the best fights I've ever seen. Well, one of the best fights I've ever seen, and one that was supposed to be good. I'll give you a breakdown. Wei Li Zhang and Joanna Jedrachek, I think that's how you say her name. That was the women's straw weight. That was the co-main, right? Co-main event. Incredible. There was some great memes. Like, Joanna got... Like, she had a good fight, but she ended up looking like Mega Mind. Like, her head was so swollen after the fight. It was a great fight and has fight of the year honors, potentially. However, the other main event, Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero, was supposed to be a clear-cut, like... KO, like, easy win for Adesanya, who's unbeaten. And he won on a technicality. He won by less than a point. And I know you don't watch UFC, but it, it's just worth noting, that's like if you put Tom Brady up against Nathan Peterman in a touchdown contest and ask who could hit more. Like, you're talking about a 43-year-old, out-of-his-prime fighter versus an in-his-prime, unbeaten fighter. There's no way that should have been close. Wait, did you say Nathan Peterman? Yeah. Nathan Peterman's not undefeated and he's not I'm just, prime. I was using him because he isn't No, you, No, you, sh you should have used, like, I don't know, Pat Mahomes or something. That would have made a, a better comparison. No, I like my Nathan Peterman comparison. But yeah, you missed a good fight. 
You missed two good fights. I'm sure I did. I don't really follow. <laughs> this will not be a frequent thing on the show. I just wanted to bring this up because this is look. Just because I do martial arts doesn't mean I care about watching. So you're people saying in the you octagon. won't be stepping into the octagon anytime soon? No. Hmm. Unfortunate. I don't do jujitsu or anything like that. How unfortunate. I guess that's the show. Yeah, there really wasn't that much else going on. It's just it was spring training still going on in baseball. For the next 18 years. And, yeah, that's going to be not exciting. When's the baseball draft? March 15th. So you can hear us yell. We should do a show of just a live stream of us drafting oh everything. That'd be very poor. That'd be very interesting, but very poor. All right, well, we apologize for the uh, kind of lull, but that's the time of year it is. So we talk about UFC because we don't have anything else to talk about. On that note, we thank you for listening, as always. Hopefully next week we have some more news. And uh, until then, keep it locked.